time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Okay, it's the Vintage Truth Podcast. And thank you so much for listening today. I'm excited about this new series we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about discipleship, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, if you listen to most people, you think that uh, the disciples are kind of the fanatical followers of Jesus, and then the rest of us are just Christians, right? But in the Bible, there's no difference between a Christian and a disciple. In other words, a disciple is not some smaller, more committed group of Christians. If you're a Christian, you are a disciple. In fact, it's just a matter of what kind of disciple are you, really? But you're, you're a disciple if you're a Christian. They're, they're synonymous, really. In fact, it's very interesting because, you know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, he said to his disciples, he said, go into the world or as you are going into the world and make disciples, make other disciples. So every disciple really has a responsibility in some way to help create other disciples. That's our job as followers of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that, unpack all of what that means, some different aspects of discipleship over the next couple of weeks together. So I hope you'll stay tuned and listen in. Uh, it's going to be a, a fun, fun time. Hey, one thing we need just to talk about, it, first of all, is just the word disciple. What does the word disciple mean? Well, it's the Greek word mathetes or mathetes, depending on how you pronounce that. And it just simply means in its root form it just means a learner a learner and you know Jesus said in Matthew excuse me in Matthew 11 he said come to me and learn from me learn from me and in the first century context that's what a follower would do they would they would follow and learn from their teacher they would sit at the feet of their teacher and the teacher would lead them and he would talk to them and he would ask them questions and he would teach them truth. And so at the root meaning of the word disciple it just simply means to be a learner. Secondly, disciple, a disciple is someone who is also a follower, a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, in, in Matthew chapter four, Jesus said, it says, and he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the, to the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The Bible says, and immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And so the second really root meaning of the word disciple, contextually speaking in the Bible, is for a disciple to be a follower. And then thirdly, as we've just mentioned briefly in the beginning, is that a disciple is also a reproducer. He's someone that through his life and his words and his ministry, however that kind of fleshes itself out in a person's life, is that they're there to reproduce discipleship in other people's lives. It's like in 2 Timothy 2.2, and Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, go find, he said, the things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these things teach to faithful men who will in turn teach others. And so a disciple really is fully trained when he begins to do for others what has been done for him. Now, the word disciple 
mathetes. We talked about that. So a learner, a follower, a reproducer. But the word disciple is mentioned about some 275 times in the New Testament. Do you know how many times the word Christian is mentioned in the New Testament? Three. Three times. And uh, it's it's not a term of endearment, to be honest. I mean, the, the term really was made up by some folks at Antioch. I think it's in Acts chapter 11, maybe verse 26 or so, where it says they were first called Christians at Antioch. And the people of Antioch were, were known for making up uh, derogatory nicknames for people. And so they made up this nickname uh, for Christians. Yeah, in verse 26, it says uh, they were first called Christians at Antioch. Now, this was not a... Uh, something that the Christians wanted to be called necessarily, the disciples wanted to be called, but they called them Christians. And the word Christian just means little Christ. And so it's in essence, they were saying, oh, look at the little Christ walking around, the little Jesuses. You know, you think you're a little Jesus walking around, imitating Jesus and all the things that he did. And so the word Christian uh, is only used three times in the New Testament, but Mathetes, disciple, is used about 275 times. And so that should tell us something about what God thinks that we should be and God thinks that we should be a learner a follower and a reproducer of other disciples now let's talk about how Jesus chose his disciples just for a second there because uh, scripture tells us in Luke chapter 6 and verse 12 that Christ spent the whole night in prayer to the father before he called his disciples uh, to himself and I find that very significant that Jesus being God, who was also the perfect man who depended upon the Father for everything as the God-man, he spent the whole night in prayer because you know why? Because he knew that choosing these men was going to be an important choice. And so it was a very prayerful choice that he chose these disciples. I mean, Jesus said in his word, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and to bear fruit. Uh, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that in love God chose us, predestined us. He chose us before the foundation of the world. And so God chose you before you chose him. He loved us first, the Bible says in 1 John, and now we get to love him. So just like Christ chose his disciples, his earthly disciples, he also chose us before time. And then in time we came to him. And so it was a prayerful choice that Christ made in his earthly ministry of his disciples. Secondly, it was a very strategic choice as well. You know, in, uh, in Matthew 4 passage, we just saw where Christ uh, chose these guys. I mean, notice Jesus didn't go after the Pharisees. He didn't go after Roman officials. Uh, he didn't go after some of the Jewish legal leaders, uh, the Sadducees. He didn't go after some of the people that, that maybe were in high society, <clears throat> no, he, he went after fishermen. He, he chose the most ordinary base individuals. He chose a lot of blue-collar workers to be his disciples. And I find that to be very encouraging because I think that one of the reasons he did that was to show the world that ordinary people could make a big difference for God. In other words, you don't have to have money. You don't have to have power. You don't have to have a lot of friends. You don't have to have a lot of influence in order to make a difference for God. You just need a changed heart is really where it all begins. And so Christ chose these, these fishermen 
uh, these smelly men that you know made their living by catching fish and selling them to people, you know? And so that is an encouraging thing, but it was a very strategic choice that he made of them because he knew from an earthly standpoint, he knew that the future of Christianity and of the church rested on his choice of these men. I do not think that Jesus looked at all of humanity and thought, gosh, who's going to do a good job for me? Who's going to be the, those guys that will hang in there? I'll, let me just fast forward history here and say, oh, there's, there's a guy over there. Yeah, that's good. That's good. No, nah, he bails on me. Uh, he won't work. No, because guess what? One of them did bail on him, right? Judas did. And so when Jesus chose these disciples, he chose them because of who he was, not because of who they were. He knew that he was going to be mighty in their life, not that they would just be mighty men. Now, when Jesus uh, chose his disciples uh, at that time, he was having a large crowd of people who were following him. In fact, it tells us in Luke chapter 6 and in verse, um, let's see, verse 17, it says, And he descended with them and stood on the level place, and there was a great multitude of his disciples and a great throng of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of the, their diseases and those who were troubled with unclean spirits, et cetera, et cetera. The multitude was trying to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. So those were disciples in the sense that those were followers. There were learners and followers, right? And so Christ had a lot of disciples who were following him, but he had in that larger crowd, he had a smaller group of 12 that he was going to really pour himself into. So those disciples, even among that 12 uh, group, there, there was a very diverse cross-section, a lot of diversity, even though they were all Jewish, there were a lot of diversity in there. Uh, there were fishermen, there were ta a tax collector, political activists, there was uh, a, a, a man that was a, a member of a group called the Daggermen, and uh, that would be Simon the Zealot, and they were political assassins is basically what they were. And so he passed by many people. In fact, he passed by the great vast majority of people to be able to choose just these few. Okay? So Christ chose his disciples strategically. And then he also, because we see of the size of his group, he, he chose a manageable group as well. You know, I used to tell people, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you just need to be fat. And I, I said, fat stands for faithful, available, and teachable, right? I mean, if you're faithful, if you're, if you're there, if you're available, if you can be there, and if you're teachable, you're willing to be taught, then guess what? God can do a whole lot with you as a disciple. So in Christ's ministry, he chose to multiply himself through a core group of men who would, for the most part, go out and change the world eventually. Then they would go through some hard times. But the priority of his three-year ministry was to spend time with them and build into their lives. And so Christ had this small group, and small groups are great, and small group Bible studies are great. And that's why people feel connected to others in a small group sometimes. And so it was a very manageable choice. It was a small group, but also it was a very personal choice too. I mean, Christ you know, called these guys by name, and he got to know them all by name. You say, okay, so that's how he chose his disciples. Well, 
Why did Jesus choose his disciples? We're going to really get into the crux of of the challenge of discipleship, uh, beginning with our next time. But I want to go through this about why Jesus chose his disciples. And there are basically two reasons from Scripture that we are given why Jesus chose his disciples. Have you ever wondered that? Why he chose his disciples? I, I guarantee you, you don't know the answer. <laughs> because it's one of those scriptural clues that kind of sneaks up on you. You kind of skip over it sometimes because you just think, well, that's just the way the story is told. But no, there, there are strategic theological clues right there in the scripture. And in Mark chapter 3, it gives the, the account of the calling of the 12. And this is what the scripture says. It says, and he went up, this is verse 13 of chapter 3 of Mark, and he went up to the mountain and he summoned those whom he himself wanted. And the Bible says they came to him. And then it says this in verse 14, and he appointed 12 that they might be with him. And that as an order of priority and a chronological order of priority is the reason that Jesus Christ chose his disciples. He chose them that they might be with him. You say, Jeff, what, what, what does that mean? That just so they could hang out together? You know, what does that really mean? No, no, no. No, there's much more theology in Jesus' choice of us and, and of his choice of his original disciples than just hanging out together. Now, we see it again in John 14, chapter 3. Now, listen to what the Bible says here. And we're going to get a clue. This is at the end of his ministry with his disciples, by the way. They're in the upper room, and um, they're getting ready to uh, have the Last Supper and uh, that type of thing. And so, excuse me, it's right after the Last Supper. But they're sitting there, and Jesus is speaking to them, and he says to them, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. That's speaking about the rapture, by the way. I will come again and receive you to myself. Now watch this. Here's the Greek purpose statement here. That, that, where I am, there you may be also. So the purpose of the rapture, the primary purpose of the rapture, not just to rescue us from coming judgment, though that's part of it, not just to end officially in the church age by removing the restrainer as second Thessalonians chapter two tells us, but it's primarily that we might be with Jesus. Say, so, wow, that's pretty cool. Well, guess what? There's more in the scripture in Philippians chapter one and in verse 23, listen to this. It says this, it says, Paul speaking, he says, for me to live is Christ to die is gain. And he goes into verse 23, but I am hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart this earth, by the way. And what will be the purpose of you departing this earth, Paul? He says, and to be with Christ for that, he says, is very much better. But then he says, I guess I'll probably stay here for a while for your sake. Okay. How about John 17 and verse 24? This is after the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, and they're in Gethsemane now, and Jesus is praying in what we call the high priestly prayer, or what I call the Lord's Prayer, and in verse 24, this is crazy, it's incredible, 
says this. He says, Father, I desire. Okay, so we've got the Son of God, the second member of the Godhead, praying to the Father, and he's going to tell the Father something that he desires, something that is passionate on his heart. What does he say? He says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am in order that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Wow. See, Christ chose us. He chose his disciples that we might be with him. That's the whole relationship thing, isn't it? I mean, God didn't just choose us so we could do some work for him. He chose us so that we could be with him, so that we could have this intimacy with him this fellowship with him for eternity. Say, so, well, is that, is that found anywhere else uh, in the Bible? I think so. It says here in Revelation chapter 17, <clears throat> it says, These will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are called the chosen, and the faithful. We're with him. And then, of course, we see in the rest of Revelation how we get to go to heaven to be with him. And in the eternal state and the new Jerusalem, we're with him. We're with Jesus. And so that's the point. We get to see his face. His name will be on our foreheads. We'll reign forever with him. So this whole context of Jesus' choice of disciples is so that we can be with him. Isn't that incredible? So that's the number one thing. And then Mark goes on, he says, and that he might send them out to preach. <laughs> you know, and we think the purpose of being a Christian is so that we can just go get other Christians. No, no, that's the secondary purpose is to go and preach and share the gospel. But the first purpose is that we might be with him. And then there's a third purpose in verse 15 in the earthly ministry of the disciples, it says, and so they, they could have authority to cast out demons. So there was this kind of third measure of the purpose of Christ's calling and discipleship. Are, are you even getting this? The fact that Jesus Christ just wants to be with you, it's not just about what he wants you to do for him. It's not just about what he wants you to learn, though that's incredibly important. He wants you to be with him. And I just want you to go outside at night and just look up into the sky, and hopefully it's a clear night. Look up in the sky and just go, hey, the God that made all that, the God that flung the stars in the sky, the God that spoke the universe into existence, he wants to be with me. Are you a disciple? If you are, then that's your destiny. We'll pick this up next time as we talk more about discipleship on the Vintage Truth Podcast. I'll see you next time.